All right, now here we go again with episode four of the No GPS podcast. I'm here, Aaron, and I'm with my friend, Mr. Mess, producer man, Matt, in the back, and we are getting it rocking and popping. Today, we are talking about basketball, but basketball not from the normal vantage point, but from a very unique perspective that can only come from the brothers coming at you live and direct from the no gps crew all right my main man mez what's popping what's happening I'm, I'm doing a bit of an impression of my favorite 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 tv host ahmad rashad so big ups to you inside, inside the nba was was critical and crucial for my understanding of the game of basketball so uh, my kudos to you so what's up mez how you doing i don't know if you want to uh admit that man so I'm <laughs> looking back now that that show was like uh you know the, 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 the black cool smooth host and 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 the white female yeah. co-host you know was, was designed for you to to fall in to fall for it. <laughs> oh, it it had me hook line and sinker man that and the jordan what jordan was about that whole that whole thing in the 90s i was i was captured but um but yeah like you you remember like he used to always say uh, my main man my main man you, you would think like does he even know this guy's name like <laughs> Ahmad, he's, he's he's got that '70s, uh, uh, you know, suave, and he and he used it on the '90s. Exactly. I guess it's uh, I guess it still it still worked. It still had its charm. But yeah, for even for us in Eritrea, growing up, that's what we it was that an NBA action. If it wasn't for those oh. shows that uh, would end up on these random VHS tapes, yeah, it could we could be watching them in '99, but they would be from '94. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. <laughs> it was like. Precious gem. That's how we follow the, the the sport. No, for sure, for sure. That's 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 amazing. That's amazing. All right, so we're getting into the game that we love. We're coming at it from a different perspective, of course. Like I aforementioned, like I said previously. So yeah, we're we're talking about what's going on in the NBA, what's going on in the world, all the different things that affect it. We're going to get into the whole thing today. Um, hopefully, this will be something that we're going to do on an ongoing basis. Um, so yeah, like how are you feeling about 2022, 2023, you know, the, the NBA season that we're coming into, it was kind of a soap opera. Well, no, it was really a soap opera. It was a comic tragedy, um, a tragic comic, uh, experience this past, uh, off season, which was pretty much just insane. Um, I'm starting to think more and more every day that it was a concerted effort, but who knows? Uh, that's my conspiracy that I'm throwing out there to keep us engaged in the NBA. You're losing that China money, so you got to figure out how do I get people engaged? How do I get people to come to the games? You know, um, uh, bet on its products, so on and so forth. I see a lot of people out there doing fantasy and everything like that. So what is going to be the business model for the NBA? And it kind of looks like we're going to go down the that kind of like young and restless uh, <laughs> the, down that road. But um we're here to talk basketball, and uh, we're not coming at this from an unbiased pers- perspective. Uh, we have our prejudices. We have our teams that we follow. Uh, me, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan. Uh, That's a good word, follow. Yeah. Which team do you follow? Uh, the closest. I follow the Toronto Raptors the closest, but of course I have my uh, various players in the league that I, I really I really try to follow. But yeah, man, so I'm a Toronto Raptors guy. What is your team that you like to follow? Well, you... You were born and raised in Toronto, so you follow the team you were born and raised in. Yeah, I follow I follow many teams for different reasons. I follow the team that that uh, I had my favorite player growing up, Reggie Miller. Hey, I follow the team 
and Golden State Warriors who play a certain kind of basketball. Hey. Uh, I follow the Toronto Raptors because they construct their team in a certain way. Hey. Uh, I follow the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> because uh, that's hipster central. That's that's like a, it's like the experiment in a, in motion. <laughs> what else? I love it. Basketball. I follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basketball. There you go. We call it basketball. Um, you follow the Western Conference, Eastern Conference. You know, divide why certain why one conference has been dominating over the other right. for this many years. Um, and I like to follow the Midwest versus versus coastal or rural versus urban divide. So yeah, man. The thing about uh, basketball, about American sports mainly, basketball in particular, is that one team could be awful one year and be absolutely amazing the next year. And um, that's because the nature of the sport, the way that the way they've uh, laid it out in terms of like the how how competitive they want it to be from year to year makes it very different from like uh, football here in Europe so that's what I like is like the up and down of the league itself up and down of a team a franchise like I could I I hated watching the Pelicans up until like the last few months of last season now I want to watch every game they're in right Um, and that's just in a few yeah, just in a few weeks of basketball and things that transpire off and on on the court. So yeah, man, it's uh, it's weird. It's that's more of the the soap. There's a soapiness of it that, you, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, but there's also just like legit. There's you know a, a business trying to figure out how to uh, conduct this uh, theater of dreams. You know, the I always say there's certain there's a Kevin Feige, a Vince McMahon. <laughs> T.T. Barnum, yeah, kind of uh, <laughs> man at the center that you can narrate the, the whole story through for yourself, um, and and you at the center of like how to uh, present spectacle and the and, and you know like you said business models as well. There's, there's money involved, so all of that, man. It's a long answer, but that's what I follow. No, for sure, for sure. I think and it's it, it's it's coming to be a very like. Obviously, we're, I was mentioning, um, you know, China earlier, but it's it's a global global game, and I think that for me, what's so interesting about the Raptors is obviously we cannot, um, we don't, we're not great at recruiting um, American players, and even great Canadian players don't come to the Raptors for one reason or the other. So there's this there's this ethos of we have to make great players, um, i.e. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, you know, guys who've been All-Stars and for Siakam been on all NBA teams, um, where I think at least one. So, so we, we become, you know, I, you know, I jokingly say this, but it's the, the, the Toronto Africans, right? Like we have a, a global perspective that's, that's a bit more tilted towards Africa and its, and its talent. I think that um, that's an interesting way to go about it that Masai, I think, was very practical about it like you know where can our fan base exist outside of just canada and then where where can we recruit players from from like the grassroots level right and like look with the with the new draftee right uh coloco uh the new center he's of cameroonian descent not just from cameroon uh the same country that pascal siakam's from uh they're from the same city and not only from the same city this is a this kid that he was mentoring Right, so there's there's a common theme there. I think if you're not from America, that the Raptors should be a team that you should be following because of all of these different types of trends 
And so, you know, I followed them from, from that perspective. And of course, just like you, the rural and coastal divide that we see with, with the coastal elites and everything like that, whether on the east or the west, where we've seen like for the last 20 years, up until this point, the, the Western Conference has been dominating. Um, and that's for particular types of reasons. We can get into that later um, that are not basketball related, but that affect the game from a non data science perspective. Yes, you can understand basketball and what's happening on the court through other means than just data science and analytics. We'll get into that later though, but like it's, it's so interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I root for the teams in the middle, the Memphises, the, 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 the Indianas, the, the, even the Clevelands and all of them. So there, there's going to be a bias on, on this podcast, at least for me and Mesa stage is his bias. Uh, we're going to be going through those types of teams. And it's just interesting to see like in Brooklyn, what's happening in Golden State, what's happening. They, they are following different kinds of models, right? Whereas, you know, Brooklyn, as you were saying, um, you were telling me before, Right. There's this this pure individual individual. Uh, we're going to go out there and hoop and show them. Right. It's very artistic. It's very Basquiat like. And on the West Coast with uh, not the Lakers, not the Lakers or the Kings, or any of those other Western Conference teams up there. Maybe maybe we might see it from the Clippers this year, but we're not sure. But with Golden State, you see a, a beauty of the game. Uh, it, it's really ball centric not player centric even though they have one of the most massive and marketable uh nba superstars on 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 the golden state warriors and in 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 steph curry but it's it's marvelous to watch them play because um as clay thompson admitted this week you know they get inspiration from their for their offense from you know football teams uh, european football teams soccer teams um what was the team mez that clay was saying that like Curve shows them the audio or the sorry the video of. That's Barcelona. It's like the, the most popular, maybe the most or second most popular football team in the world. Right, right, right. So that that wow. Okay. I, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that interesting because I, I I thought the effect that Messi has had, uh, Lionel Lionel Messi has had, like gravitationally on the football field. Yeah. Is um is similar to Steph Curry. Mm. Like the, what Steph Curry's um, effect has been on on the gravity on the basketball court. Like they changed the geometry of defenses, wow. how they uh, how to how to uh, react to them. On on the ball, Messi's probably more like Kyrie because you know he's a dribbler. You can't get the ball off of him. He's got you know he's got uh, he's, he's like that um, that anime football hero where you got like you know ten defenders surrounding him and he somehow makes it past all of them. On 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 as as a player, he's more like Kyrie, but as uh, the effect he's had, it's more like Steph. So when I read that, I was like, "Damn, this is even beyond what I thought." But to go back on Toronto is what's interesting is Toronto is a multicultural city in a different way than the multicultural cities in America, like the big markets. Mm. It's weird, right? Because they in the NBA, Toronto doesn't really they can't really group it into neat, neatly into big market, small market, medium market. It's just kind of a, I guess, a medium market generally, but it's got, I think what Masai has figured out is it's got way more than that. It's, it's, got, it's almost to the side of the uh, market divide within America. So it's like you said, he's uh, he's got the whole world at his, uh, he's, he's like Toronto's almost like the entry port to the, to the league, <laughs> you know? And he's keeping everybody at the entry port. No, no, no! Wait, wait, wait! We, we, we want to give you a trial. Right, right. right. We want to give you a trial run, you know, yeah. before we send you over. <laughs> and um, 
I think they Canada has been producing yeah. talent like that's not and crazy, but Toronto's different, right? Because they're a franchise in Canada. Yeah. That has to compete elsewhere or, or in, in, in different ways than than these teams in, in the states because they can't if they're if they're to, to maintain competitive, they can't just develop these these players who want to go to college in America and then they get uh, recruited, you know, over there. Once once they go to the to, to the college system, they kind of uh, they already slipped out of your hands. So what they're doing now is crazy with Cameroonian players and the whole NBA Africa stuff. Um, they got a coach who who made his name in the international game right. and won a championship now. Mm-hmm. So they, they're really interesting, and and now they're playing with nothing but wings. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> just all these these uh these 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 wings with just amazing wingspans, right? And I think what's interesting about Nurse as well is that I think it was a genius signing um, in 2018 by by Masai and, and Webster. I say that because because obviously Nurse has international experience, but he's such a self-starter. I didn't know this until recent, but he was he was the reason why in Des Moines in Des Moines, um, Iowa, that they have a, a G League team there now. He actually created it to create a job for himself, and he went about it in in, in, in a very interesting way. And then um, you know, obviously from there went to England, went to various other places, and so he's taught a lot. He's he's coached a lot of different types of players players sometimes who didn't want to be there um and, and to be quite honest with you that's that's the rap that the raptors got you know no pun intended is that nobody wants to come here right bga armstrong i remember 1995 was that the first year yeah when we drafted the dame yeah. in stoudemire right he he famously said i'm not going there he ended up on the charlotte hornets we've seen what jordan and them did to uh bj and the hornets in uh the last dance so we cannot get out that out the way. That's your karma, right? People like Alonzo Mourning didn't want to come. Like it, it was this is not a place where people wanted to come, right? And so Nurse, well, especially in the nineties, especially especially in, then. in the two thousands too. Um, so it's it's, it's not. But Carter leaving wasn't a good, uh, you know, PR sign for the city. You know, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> now even Carter's leaving. Like, why would I want to go there? Yeah, we had a horrible management back then. It was just like Messiah and them were just like a revelation and just just there's nothing nothing that's happened now is not happening with without messiah and webster but you know so i think nurse he's taught so many different types of styles one thing i didn't know about nurse too right so he's 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 right for the team because he knows how to coach guys who who might be a bit of um have uh you know doubts about the place that they're at but another interesting thing is um when houston was taken off with this whole analytics thing he was there coaching their G League team like in a 2010, 2011 or one of their teams. And they had specifically came to him and said, hey, these are the things that we want to look for offensively. This is what we're trying to do. Can you create defenses that can stop high value shots, X, Y, Z, and then figure out a way on how to get these types of shots from your, your players? You have to do a good job of convincing them that they should be taking more three-pointers and layups and dunks and not mid-range, mid-range jump shots, right? And and you know, players are coming there, they don't want to have their game changed, but he 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 did it, right? And so when he came to the Raptors, uh, I think he was an assistant for five years or six years. Um, by the time 2018, 2017, 2018 comes, we're the second leading offense, only behind the Houston Rockets, right? Interesting thing. He had to tell he had to convince players to change 
what they did on the court, but he already he already had and based on the analytics that they were giving him. Um, and he he had to so he already had practice with this in Houston. So when he comes to the Raptors, he's able to talk to Van Fleet and all these other guys and tell them, hey, these are the shots that you're gonna take. I know that this is gonna change your game up, but you have to prioritize that. And he did it, obviously delivering a championship in his first year. So I, I think he's compelling, he's interesting for that for that reason. Uh, I think you know he'll pull out like he'll do like he'll. You remember that time we were we, we were we were wigging out, we were tripping out because he did a um, he did a football. He, he, remember he did a football play in a basketball game. Um, so he. What was that? Remind me. I think it was a. It was not the boxing one, but he was. Remember he remember he pulled the boxing one in the finals. That was that was crazy. I forgot the dif- defense. Yeah football play that he was doing but he pulled it out in the game it was so crazy like he'll do it once in a while he's not he's not he's not a um you know a mad scientist out there uh you know he's twisting and contorting his players to every you know whim he has but he he's similar to toronto and it's a hodgepodge city full of all kinds of people who don't necessarily know each other so there's no a real rhyme or reason to the culture in the city and even to the architecture in the city so it, it it speaks to it so nurses is perfect for toronto and he is of course a midwestern guy ohio um, yeah he, he knows how to talk to different people from his time in iowa to here in england yeah to now in canada he he knows how to talk to people and he's a bit he's a bit cuckoo but then i think his cuckooness and messiah's you know like uh chance taking yeah. he's got like a visionary type of uh, approach i remember besides didn't start in toronto he started in denver right he won like gm of the year or something like that right yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in denver yeah he, he pulled out that carmelo trade he pulled out you know so right exactly yeah so yeah so there's um everything kind of worked together but the timing i think was what was perfect was that Kawhi came at the same time and Kawhi is his is, is another piece of the puzzle because he, he's his personality He's a different cuckoo guy too. <laughs> no, like he's not a conventional superstar. Yeah. Nurse is not a conventional coach, and Masai is not a conventional GM, and Toronto is not a conventional North American sports exactly. city. Exactly. The only thing conventional about Toronto is the ownership group, <laughs> which I guess is not conventional, but you know they're rich as hell. <laughs> and they stay out the way, which is great. It's not like New York. Right, right. Ownership stays. Except, out. except when it's time to come pick up the trophy, which is a, it's an odd American tradition where you trot out an 80-year-old white man to uh, at the end of the season to raise the trophy above your head. That's uh, nobody will ever understand that outside of the United States of A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's where you see uh, uh, the real racial ontology kind of speak for itself. But yeah, like it's 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 interesting. Yeah, so the Raptors are dynamic. And interesting to watch for those reasons. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in Indiana this year because I want, you know, who they're who they're saying is going to be the, the the greatest prospect since LeBron, or maybe Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> you know, the the French. We got a Canadian. Well, he's Haitian Canadian. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. My main man, uh, Wembenyama. Uh, oh, okay. I'm talking about Benedict. Ma- yeah, Mather. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we, not that French guy. Another, another fr- French-speaking guy. <laughs> well, Matherin is awesome. I think. I think they got some, but he just dropped 26 the other night. I'm like, this dude is gonna be somebody. So they got a core there, like I was saying to you, with with Halliburton, him, um, and if they can get Wembenyama, I'm like, hey, get this on and rocking. Utah doesn't look like they're trying to tank. Or I think I was watching. The oh, game. they will. I, I was watching the game last night. Like. 
Ainge told these guys to put it all on the line so he can get them to the places that they need to go to because these guys are playing too hard. Um, <laughs> three games is weird. It's, it's, it's two games. Watch them go two and thirteen after fifteen games. Well, after he trades these guys, but um, yeah, like I, I'm interested to see what happens with those types of teams because there's going to be a, a particular type of tanking that's going to happen this year. That's going to be shameless. It's going to be shameless. Particular, yeah. That's there's, that, that's more apt. Yeah, it's gonna, shameless. It's going to be shameless. Slow down and dirty. Um, so I'm interested to see that what's going to happen at the bottom because obviously we have the plan and is the plan going to be enough for certain teams to not want to tank? And I don't think it's going to be enough this year. Although I love the plan idea. Um, so, so that's going to be interesting. Um, of course, you know, at the beginning, everybody makes the predictions of where they're going to go. And, you know, the Raptors are nowhere to be seen. They're like uh, maybe ranked 20th or something like that. It's, it's always a, an American um, bias and, you know, prejudice against the Raptors. And I've accepted it and it's okay. You do your thing, whatever. We'll see you in the second round. I'm predicting at least that much. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are saying that the championship contenders uh, are out there in, in the guys in the form of the Clippers, you know, the Warriors, uh, the Celtics, who look really good. Um, uh, who else? The Bucks, of course. And I'm not going to add the Sixers in there, but people always want to do that. That's East Coast. Uh, that's coastal elite bias, I think. Uh, you keep putting these teams out there. and then Well, on the, I thought on the surface, they'd at least be a very good regular season team, but... I don't know. I mean, they, they they also just played two of the best teams in the East. So. But it's not fun to watch them. Like, I think, like... Yeah, it's terrible. It's Mori Ball. Yeah, the most fun... The funner teams to watch are Golden State because of their team play, and it's so seamless, and it's just beautiful. It's just aesthetically pleasing. But, you know, and then, obviously, and then the Brooklyn Nets, but it's not as aesthetically pleasing um, from a team perspective, but individually, you're going to just see some of the best stuff that you, you've ever seen before. Um, but watching watching the Sixers now, it's, it's kind of like watching the Rockets back in the day when, when Harden and the whole Maury camp was over there. Um, it was just it was just just dribble, 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 as my main man Charles Barkley says, and then shoot. It's not dynamic. I mean, for me, I want to see Tyrese Maxey have a more prominent role, right? But that only can happen if 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 there's if the ball if there's ball movement. But you know, they're data geeks. Their their analytics buffs are telling them what to do, and this is this is what it is. They're playing with fire now, because now in these two games, Harden looks good, but also they've given him the ball, which means Maxi has been invisible. Yeah. And Embiid has had two very bad games. Didn't speak to the media. Was uh, grouchy and uh, you know you're playing with fire. Like it was fine when he did in Houston. Yeah. When you were you had people come to you. Chris Paul came to you. Russell came to you whatnot but uh here it's almost like they've uh, you know they've uh trojan horsed themselves into the city of philadelphia and are trying to mm-hmm. have a coup from within because <laughs> i think doc rivers is the first one out i think he's he might this is a hot take this might not happen but he might get fired this year i, I just think that like uh, they put sam cassell in there or somebody like that or somebody new but i think that somebody's willing to let them play the way Harden wants to play. Philly is not Houston. That's a different fan base. That's a different fan base. They're not going to go for this. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. It's fire, man. Somebody going to get burned. <laughs> yeah. And Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard. Because Harden already showed that he can't do what what they wanted to do with, uh, with the big. And Dwight Howard wasn't bad back then. It was the beginning of his slide. But uh, he was also not as good as Joel Embiid now. Yeah. But 
they're doing it to MB too, taking the ball away. The pick and roll works with uh, James Harden. Mm-hmm. One thing Harden did do in these two games is he's shooting the mid range. That's at the behest of Doc Rivers for sure, and that's going against the the Maury led data science geeks, hundred percent. Right, because that's that's that, that was weird. I, but I liked what I saw. I'm like, oh, okay, at least he's mixing it up. Yeah. He's he, now now it's weird weirdly because people thought Luca played like Harden. My response was always, well, Luca can play in the middle in the mid range. Yeah. And Harden can't. But now <laughs> I watched some couple highlights. I'm like, oh. He's, he's stealing something from, from the Slovenian boy. All right. <laughs> you got to. Just more more ball movement, more playmaking. I think that the Sixers will be deadly. I think that they have the right types of players and personnel now to get it done, right? Um, they got Daniel House. They got P.J. Tucker. They got who else did they add on to that roster? I think they're, they're deep. They're not Clippers deep, but they're deep. And they can do something. They just need uh, leadership, right? And it's like... I think for Embiid to, to, to Embiid just can't just be getting the ball in and just dunk it and then lay it up. Like he needs a bit more, a bit more momentum. So I don't know how they're gonna get that going with the kind of offense that they have. And and you know, like Doc needs to be a bit more dynamic, be a bit more risk taking, be a bit more Nick Nurse. You know, because um, because what they're doing is not working. I, I, you speak a lot about biases. My biases, I think Doc Rivers is, uh, in England, they, they have this phrase, uh, you know, um, if, if someone is faking it, <laughs> someone is just, does not, is not deserving of what they got. Yeah. They call him a myth. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Doc Rivers to me is a myth. Lord. He's been a myth for a good, what, 15, maybe more years. Like I, he had one good year in Orlando, I think. Yeah. Against the odds, and after that, everything is just this one big miss of 0708 when he had a super duper team, and uh, you couldn't lose with them. You couldn't lose with them. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just don't like. Uh, I don't like. I don't like that team. I don't like. I mean, even Embiid isn't my favorite like player, but the last two years he's been so good. Got to root for him. Yeah. But now you add Harden, who's my least favorite player. Maury, who's my probably one of my least favorite human beings. <laughs> um, a collection of uh, <laughs> undesirables. Uh. Undesirables. <laughs> That's why, I, like, literally, my I, I fall asleep when Philly when there's a Philly game on. I mean, I, these games are late on anyways, but yeah. all my enthusiasm just gets sapped out of me. I'm like, oh, nah. I don't want to watch these guys. <laughs> At least, like, if Tyrese Maxey goes goes crazy for like five minutes, I'm like, oh, okay, something's happening. Yeah, that's the reason why I watch them. I want I want to scream free free Tyrese. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, I'm just yeah. They gotta free that kid, man. Like, well, yeah, that's the Sixers. That's the Sixers. Get that out the way. That we're gonna talk a lot about them this year, and it's not gonna be from an endearing standpoint. You talked about recruiting, unless you want to talk about other teams. No, no, go go ahead, go ahead. Well, like how like Masai is now recruiting globally. Yeah. And you know, Toronto is like an entry port. I was just saying, like, if you rewound time. And you know, went to the to the beginnings of the league pre segregation. There was um you know, it was a white sport, right? Yeah. It was a white sport but it wasn't but but there wasn't a product that you could speak of until black black players started to enter the league mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there were peop you know, people realized that there was a model here that they could exploit. They had product. Yeah, yeah, well, David Stern. And um mid eighties. Yep, and um well even before that, like in the sixties with the Russell and Wilt and, and whatnot. Oh, right. And, um, right. 
and then you know the recruiting beca- recruiting became a thing like you know going to colleges and then maybe later high schools try to get the, the ear of these uh, you know lower class maybe maybe lower middle class you know black families who had this uh, this um, you know extraordinary talent in their in their in their living room yeah and that now grows the, the grows the team to a point sorry grows the game to a point where they're like a, a global brand and um, a, a generation of player comes and goes yet when you look around the league the ownership group everything from ownership down to management and coaching was, was still white up until like, like me and you were you know grown men so right. um, that's why I want to lead it to you know data and analytics as and, and science as a way to maintain that you know kind of grip on right. on, on covering the sport from the media perspective but also running the sport mm-hmm. in as a bit as a business in the hands of white folks you know right. so uh, yeah. and and that's that's what's so that's that's what's so interesting about what Masai is doing in Toronto because he's uh, he's kind of like on on the on the outskirts <laughs> and and recruiting from all over the place right yeah. right no that that's a seriously important point to make and i think if, if anything that you were going to get out of this podcast it was the point that Ms. just made right and it, it's this idea that um obviously people like jalen rose and you know have talked about this and, and other philosophers of culture have talked about this it's it's so these guys had all the credentials right the jalen roses of, of the scene and 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 the different player coaches, the Bullop, the Billups, and all of those guys, um, the different coaches that were players before, like even like Doc Rivers, they have the experience, the, the the requisite experience to be coaches now, to be to be in management, to be in the back offices, and then all of a sudden, before you knew it, right, when a lot of these black players from the 70s and the 80s, and especially the 90s and the 2000s, start to come of age and, and say to themselves, hey, I don't want to just be a commentator. I want to be somebody who makes things happen in the head office. I want to be working like like Joe Dumars, right, with, with the NBA proper, be a VP. Um, and so when that wave is starting to come in, all of a sudden now, the data science geeks start to really control the game. There's now the coaches, right, have these relationships with the second spectrums and all of them um, in the way that they're supposed to have have with the Jerry West types, right? So all of us, all of a sudden now, it's it's blacks have experience, but it's that old racial, you know, um, calculation. They have the experience, so now let us bring the theory, and the theory most often is done by white men, right? And so you got the experience. Now let me make sense of your experience for you because we have a particular type of rationality and reason that's unbiased. That's unbiased, right? That's the when we when we bring the science, it's just the facts, right? No, you have you have an idea about what you want to do. You conduct an experiment, but that's 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 led by a presumption. Don't act like this is completely objective. It is not completely objective, and so that's how they've come in. To do this kind of to colonize you know the nba space and, and people like you know obviously charles barkley is the more you know funnier sideshow version of like his hate brand analytics but like the more kind of like put together arguments done by like people like jalen rose who knows that there's a cultural tone to this well there's this guy there jalen rose as, as a player bomani jones as a member of the media yeah. i think vincent goodwill who's a detroit guy i think he's talking about it from a, a competitive 
um, like you know to compete for jobs in the, you know in the job the job market because you have to um, have your uh, you know feet or or you, you know you have to socialize you have to have social capital in MIT circles and Sloan Sloan um, conferences where uh, there's a whole cater of analytics guys who come from you know a different so we say racial and uh, class background who um, who have married that kind of you know approach that theoretical approach with uh, with a certain technology and you know access to computers and things like that come up with for, like for example true shooting wasn't the thing when I was growing up someone came up with that formula right and it's not perfect and people always tweak on it uh, tweak it and uh, but the person who came up with it and was able to sell enough people in, in conferences and presentations and back rooms is now, you know, kind of a well-paid media person. Right. And a lot of people, um, and that kind of influences another. So there's like a, there's a, there's a line that has maintained from, from the pre-segregation days till now. And, uh, and that's what I'm interested in, how it maintains its colonial grip, you know, it's like, Right. It's like from a Jalen Rose perspective, it would be like, you know, when I was here, it was there, and when I got there, it was gone. You know, now they, they just keep pulling, pulling the rope a little bit further away from um, black folks who, right, right. who made, who who were the very reason why it became popular, such a, yeah, yeah commercially uh, viable thing. So um, that's kind of like the main thing against analytics. But Charles Barkley doesn't talk about that. That's the thing. He's he's a safe. Kind of person he's actually kind of a very easy kind of straw man type of guy for a lot of these analytics guys to to shoot down because he doesn't really make any arguments right, right, right. he just says well your analytics team lost what, what now <laughs> um an analytics has a, 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 a built-in defense theoretical defense that's similar to science yeah or scientism or uh, like in a, another analytic <laughs> intersectionality mm-hmm. so it whatever critique you give it it incorporates and claims that um, it, it already thought of that you know it's already part of the equation now it's almost like um, you know neoliberalism which also marries goes very well I think it's very uh, pertinent to go with this it's um, whatever critique you give it it's almost like a it's like a machine that knows better than all of us so any critis- criticism you give it becomes more info for it to to chew on and to uh, come up with something better next time, right? Thanks, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's um, what, 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 of course what it's replacing is you know what they call the uh, the eye test, the coaching ability, the, the man management, knowing like you know, Willie. I mean, you you, saw, you sent me that uh, clip of uh, the Rockets coach who's proud of uh, Porter getting his. Uh, 80 million dollar contract yeah like like stuff stuff like that right you know the a lot of these kids don't even even have father father figures right right and this is like the first time they actually get to be um parented in a way but they're doing it in front of everybody you know right and um what they're able to do on that level of kind of human to human relation mm-hmm. you can there's no machine that can calculate that the value of that that's hard um look look at willie green like there's a lot, there's a lot. That's not. It's not even, not even a racial thing. When, at that point, it's just a, a coaching thing. Yeah, yeah. And then the, and then outside of that, in the media is, you know, that's the only way you get to cover the 
cover the sport professionally from a sports journalism point of view. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, the only way to get into this is to be uh, to, to be a graduate of some kind of STEM <laughs> program, where STEM usually has nothing to say about journalism. It's kind of it's a weird techno neoliberal world we live in. So right, right, right. Yeah. You know what's also interesting about this is that that soulful that heart-led component, right? When we've seen with Coach Silas out there in, in Houston, what we've seen with Willie Green uh, last year at the, the, I think at the end of the first round against the, the Phoenix Suns with the Pelicans, uh, Willie Green's Pelicans, uh, putting up a great fight, right? And, and, you know, him tearing up. Those, those, like you watch sports for those kinds of compelling displays of emotion and conviction, right? That That's what really, like we're watching it for that. And so when it becomes like driven by data science, by analytics, it takes away, it takes the game and the team uh, away from the the, the indigeneity, the re, the on the ground reality that's specific in particular to that city, right? Like sport in in and of itself is supposed to be a dramatization of reality, right? And off and, and it's supposed to offer a convincing representation of the of the community's values, right? The city, uh, the shared traditions, right? That's why when we're talking about Nurse and why he fits so well in Toronto is that he fit with the 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 particular type of drama that we have here in the city not drama not in a bad way but the reality the the cultural um you know hodgepodge nature of the city and and he worked perfectly for that right like analytics didn't didn't take that away he was the right person the right hire by messiah and that's what we're saying for places like philly or where have you the, the, the teams are they really a representation of the city's values that they're coming from, their shared traditions, right? That that was the problem with Ben Simmons in, in Philly. They think they, they care about winning, but they, they want you to be hard nosed. They want you to to put it on the line, to be to be like Rocky, you know what I mean? To be like Allen Iverson, to be hard nosed. And it was just, he just wasn't a, a cultural fit for that place. And so th- that's what the science can. I'm not I'm not anti science. I'm not a luddite. I'm not anything to that effect. But it should know its place, and it's not objective and bias free by any step, stretch of the imagination it's it's insane. but the thing the thing with ben simmons for example i don't think you need analytics and analytics to know that he was bad right like imagine an analytics guy came to you and said well coach uh i have to tell you i don't think uh, ben simmons is doing too well <laughs> you know? okay. like what what is that what is that what your calculator told you okay thanks but um i mean you you're the baseball guy. This this all really exploded in baseball. Yeah, Oakland A's, one of my favorite teams. I mean, yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Blue Jay fan to the day that I die for sure. But the Oakland A's back in the day with the Bash Brothers, Conseco, uh, McGuire, Henderson, uh, big fan. But what's interesting about Oakland, just like Toronto, it's not a draw. They don't have a lot of money there. Obviously, it's a, it's a poor organization. The reason why the Warriors are not in Oakland anymore, right? It's just more money in San Francisco and you know the tech elite over there. But so what's interesting, they had to innovate. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, okay. I didn't even make that connection because it was right right down the street for them to kind of experiment on, on that team. So what's interesting about what happened in, in Oakland is that it happened with the A's and it should have just stayed there with the A's because it makes sense for a small market like that, that that's not a big draw, that they don't have a lot of money to, to, to pay people. I remember when Giambi was there, he went, he left and went to the New York Yankees. It's more money out there. Reggie Jackson did the same thing. He went from the A's to the Yankees, there's money, more money out. No, no, he went from the A's to Baltimore and then to the Yankees, 
Um, so for a team like that, they have to be they're, they're they're being true to their own kind of the, the the on the ground reality, right? So obviously Oakland's there. It's not there in a vacuum. It's surrounded by Silicon Valley, right? It's tapping into what's going on over there. But that that what they're doing in Oakland is not going to work in Memphis. It's not going to work in in Boston. It's not going to work in all these other places, right? It's specific to that team's reality, whether it be financial or like the organization's culture. Um, so so it didn't work out. I didn't know that. I, I thought uh, it, I thought all the whole league took on analytics after that. No, yeah, it worked. It worked in Oakland. That's what I'm saying. If it, it worked in Oakland, so no, I meant like league wide. So it, it was a failure uh, elsewhere. No, I think I think it's it's still being it's it's still in, in practice. It's still being used, right? But it's taken away so much of the joy and, and the greatness of the game, right? Like like baseball now. When I watch it, right, the pitching is so good. The pitching is so, that's what's so amazing about what Aaron Judge did this year, hitting 62 home runs off of the best pitching that there's ever been in a major. So the analytics showed that, hey, you got a starting pitcher, you put him in there for three, four innings. If that, then you bring in relievers to every inning, every, you're bringing fresh arms every inning. And these guys are not hitting home runs. It's not fun for us watching the game, right? Like it's it's pitching is so dominant. What we're watching baseball for is for home runs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so the analytics has made the game so good, but it's made it less entertaining. Just like watching the Houston Rockets, now the Philadelphia 76ers. It's just so dang, doggone boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, the parallel in, in basketball, I don't think was mainly, I don't think it was analytics as such as the, um rule changes to make the game faster so you could see more dunks you could see more back and forth um kind of um, you know action yeah yeah so um but but still to sh to to gun and just to to run and gun became like you know it was it's almost like you go for volume and you want and you think that you know across across 48 minutes with this many shots uh, across the entire season you're, you you can gamble. It's uh, almost like it's a it's kind of gamble. You think, hey, I can I can win more than I'll lose, and um, and three is more more than two. Two is more than one, right? That's always like the analytic slogan. Three is always going to be more than two. Um, I think it all kind of happened in unison, and the Maury's of the world they just were the first ones to start to gamble on these new rules and see what would happen if we just kept shooting, even if we missed. Imagine how many times we would. How many would, we would make, and because of the of the, the shots that we make, count more than the ones that we miss. Um, who knows how far we can go with it? And and that was almost like, and that's the weird thing, right? It's like the gambler entering a building trying to play the Golden State Warriors, who have like this well-oiled machine where you have two very, you have generational shooters, and you figure out a way to constantly find uh, getting them open, right. as opposed to. And just going, hey man, what if, what if we had one uh, ball hog who can shoot and dribble? You know, he's a really good, he's a talented guy. Then everybody else just spreads out and shoots. That, that the joy part of it is that right? it becomes like a science project versus poetry. I think that's what the Golden State are. They're, they they're a poem in 8, 2018, 19, like whenever they played the Rockets, they were it was like poetry versus uh, <laughs> uh, an, equ an equation. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like the best sci-fi you know movies. They all end in some kind of uh, yeah. icon of humanity versus uh, a legion of robots. You know, right. sentinels. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's real. That's real. It, you know, and I think like when we when we see this, right, we're watching these players on the court, and to a certain extent, you know, like in the case of 
what the Houston Rockets were before Maury left is that, you know, these players were to an extent just like drones, just like um, extensions of the mind of what was happening at the the brain trust of the organization with the data science people. And I think that it, it's 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 this is a, a neoliberal logic, right, that has the presumption that and the guiding assumption that individuals, right, are flawed agents of rationality. Therefore, because they cannot optimize um, the choices before them and make the right types of choices, they need the market to dictate where they should go and what they should want to give them an optimal consumer experience, right? And so that's the same thing that's happening on the court. It's these players, okay, they have the requisite skills X, Y, Z. You know, they have, you know, all these things that they do mentally and physically on the court that makes them great but they're flawed rational agents that need the analytics to let them know what they're good at and what they're they're bad at and to stick to this do you know what i mean there's no innovation happening on the court right from that perspective but like what when we see golden state there's there's a certain type of, of flow and symmetry to what they do and obviously they're using analytics but they leave a gap in a space for the human spirit to kind of come through and I think that that was so that was what was so compelling about what happened last year with them is that there was so much spirit and so much heart to the way they won the championship last year that like it, it just it just was one of the like outside of the 2019 um uh Raptors championship year it was one of the best one of the best things that I ever watched sports related right was was but the Warriors also they have an idea they have a story right if if something doesn't fit they they can rewrite it uh, accordingly according to what they know i think with the, the rockets the way you say it they they for them the, the data is what whatever gets comes comes out of the data machine is what they tell trevor ariza to do for the rest of the season you know that's how yeah. kind of they go i mean think about it they, that system even chewed out chris paul because at the beginning they thought chris paul would wouldn't work with this he's so good he could he could himself fit into it he was the only one shooting mid-ranges uh, mid-range shots in, uh, in Houston mm-hmm. when he was there and when he did that James Harden was just standing by the corner doing nothing just holding his uh, you know mm-hmm. hands on hips it was almost like and if you if you look at the Rockets from the Dwight Dwight Howard I think it was even before that but if you just looked at the Houston Rockets kind of um the, 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 the span and over the last yeah. 10 years they just went more and more and more fundamentalist extremes <laughs> with this model at first they thought what if we did it like but what if we what if we fooled around with it, it wasn't enough and I got rid of Dwight Howard because um, he's taking too, too much space you know it's either Harden or Howard they got, got rid of Dwight and then they they added Chris Paul and they said let's, let's accommodate him because yeah. it's Chris Paul and then they said you know what I mean they started clashing so they got rid of Chris Paul and they just said here you go Harden you just do your thing and um, but they had to accommodate Russ and it didn't work at first yeah. <laughs> it didn't work at first but then they kind of uh, figured you know what it's either we allow Russ and James Harden to kind of go you know, half and half. I think it was towards yeah. the end of the season. And and or and and to do that, we should just get rid of Capella, who was their only center right. at the time. 
So they went completely five out small. Not even five wings, they were just completely small. And at that point, people thought, okay, so these guys are drunk or they have erected a new <laughs> god. And that's whatever the machine yeah. they have in the, you know, in the, we're wearing in the back, in the back yeah. office. They went for broke. They were like, we're going to go all in on this, right? And, and, they went and for broke. the good thing about what analytics has done for basketball is that they, they have this, this, this idea that skills should win the day. So what happened is players started getting leaner, players started getting smaller because it's obviously back then in the early 2010s, late 20, 2000s, mid 2010s, like the kinds of players that we were seeing that were like making a killing, right? The Dame Lillards and the Steph Currys, they were, they were shorter, leaner, and much more skilled. So the analytics preferred those types of players and that's where the recruiting went, right? So, so also with bigs though, like the bigs. Yeah, that big man game just totally, just totally went out the window because they were like, nah, this is not what's going to get us more points on the board, right? So of course, like Dwight Howard is not going to be there. Um, but my goodness, like it's it's so that that's that's a that's where it's kind of conflicting for me. It's that the game has become so so skillful now that it's it's like I love that. And we're not gonna get that, like the type of the types of skills and the types of um, focus that coaches are. are... I, I think it's the rule changes. Though. I think it's part of the you know the, the rule changes like like hand checking once because any every sport wants to increase in football they call it gold mouth action. They want more stuff to happen. You know highlights stuff stuff that you, they can package into a sports center uh, mm -hmm. segment. And basketball is the same thing. You want more scoring. You, you want less uh, games ending in the 60s, 60s, yeah. 70s. Um, I don't know what is in American football. Is is it a, is it a good thing if a game ended 54, 43? Yeah, I think so. I mean, with the with the kind of teams that like my Buffalo Bills with with Josh Allen and the, the Chiefs with Mahomes, these are the teams that you know everybody's talking about when they're talking. About I guess yeah, it's probably this. Yeah, it is the same there too. I just I think there's certain. There's, there's things that the game loses because you want to attract uh, a nine-year-old right. Timmy who doesn't understand, you know, that stuff yet. So he just wants to see, uh, you know, comic book shit. And um, yeah, but once you get rid of the gang banging in in the paint, <laughs> a a a seven a six foot seven kid in high school doesn't feel the need to actually. Uh, work in the post they they can they can be like hey i'm just i'm just gonna work on my j and start work shooting and so yeah you get a lot of um, finesse players i think kevin garnett was the first one once they saw so like the usefulness of a yeah. kevin garnett who can who can shoot who can who can move the way he can move i mean the, the analytics were just the ones who said let's turn the screw on this to the point where uh, we can win this way, and that's and, and by the way, we're just talking about the, the basketball part of it. I'm yeah. I'm still, you know, my my main issue is uh, the job market and the coverage. You know what happens to the former basketball player, uh, you know who who has to compete for for coaching jobs with people who've never played basketball professionally. You know, white yeah, coaches, right. that stuff, and and the kind of the media coverage part of it, where in order to be taken seriously in a professional yeah. space you have to show that you uh, you know can do which is fine but uh, but it, it becomes the only thing and, and 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 again in america most black african-american students don't don't graduate out of uh, these kind of stem um, programs so 
it's, it's another clever way to keep keep people you know you're the spectacle yeah. we are the thinkers like you said we you go experience you give us an experience <laughs> that we can sell and we will make sense of this experience for you and everyone else and we get paid yeah yeah that's 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 what it is that's the tagline that is the the guiding assumption i think what's interesting too is that with the tragedy actually the tragedy of the yudoka imi yudoka situation is aside from the drama or whatever the messiness of what happened was you had a guy who who was a former player who came in finally got that coaching job right coming out of that popovich university finally got a coaching job landed it first year he was coaching these Boston Celtics that Brad Stevens couldn't take to the finals. He took them to the finals. Boom. Black coach. Player experience. He did it. He knew what the troops needed to hear. And he brought it forth. He, gave, he, he created a hierarchy in a place like Boston, that organization that had their players on equivalential terms with each other, which I think didn't work. I mean, Danny Ainge himself said, himself said, there's too much of a quality of talent. I think that that was the problem when Kyrie and and and, and um, what's his name, uh, Terry Rozier and all of those guys were there, right? And so Yudoka goes in there and he understands the game. He understands what to tell the troops, to tell the guys, to get them to play optimally at their best, right? And he almost delivers a championship to the Boston Celtics. And then now that he's not there, you know, I, I was expecting to see him win a couple of championships within the next five years with this this with this Celtics core. And to not see him there, I feel like it's was a is a tragedy. And not just for black coaches, but for, for players, right? Um because I think he did it in, in, in an in immaculate job, you know. Well you got that defense like damn they they turned they, they turned around like almost overnight. They, they you couldn't beat them. I'm like, damn, I think these guys are gonna go all the way. When they beat the Bucks, even without Chris, I thought, damn, I think that's this is the, this is the team. But again, man, the those poets of the Bay. <laughs> nah, they were fantastic. Uh, last year, I still watched those games of the finals. It was um, especially those first couple of games. Uh, and then to see Curry turn it around after the two-one, I think obviously cemented his legacy. Um, which, which which was fantastic to see uh, that narrative just get thrown out the window. I was sick of hearing p- people say Kellerman. I was sick of people saying you know he couldn't uh, he wouldn't show up when it was when it was time to show up. But yeah, so these these are the trends. These are the things. This is the line of thinking that we're going to be following the NBA or it's just sports in general this year. Um, you know, is there anything else that you want to say about the NBA this year or, or the topics we've been talking about, Mez, before we wrap it up? Um, no, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm a big hater of analytics. <laughs> uh, I don't like numbers. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, that's the main thing, like to, to make the point that there's a meeting point between data analytics and uh First of all, I also hate the word analytics. It's just a geekier way of saying analysis. Right. <laughs> all it is. Yeah. Um, but but there's a meeting point there between that and the neoliberal logic, uh, more wide in uh, in a in a social uh, fabric kind of way that it meets with the kind of logic that exists within you know this kind of corner, this kind of sports entertainment corner, where there's a lot of money, right? And there's a lot of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it produces cultural symbols and cultural cultural meaning, and athletes and celebrity gossip and all of this stuff. So 
there is a there's a thread you can weave from one to the other and uh, that's kind of like the main point uh other than that man we could talk about basket ball i guess next time hey I mean, yeah i'm excited for that hey you, you you're the originator of the term basquiat basketball so we're gonna get it rocking and popping and next basketball episode is gonna be on that exactly um you know the brooklyn nets are atlantic division foes of my toronto raptors but uh i still want to see them do good see them do well remember when you play to when you play brooklyn you don't just play brooklyn you play their mascot who is none other than notorious big it's like this big fat <laughs> Kuji wearing ghost was wearing around all these uh, white hipsters who, you know, with their avocado toast oh, listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when they entered, I, I hear when they enter the Barclays uh, arena. Yeah. They, they bump, uh, kick in your door, wave in the fall. Wave, wave, wave in the avocado toast. <laughs> they do. I mean, it's weird. Biggie has become this weird oh, ghost in a shell for Brooklyn. Like that, that part of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that well. That part of New York, obviously, but uh, and and the Nets franchise has capitalized on that and is advertising the shit out of that. You know, marketing it on that level. Right. Like this Nets team is is that you know they they kind of they will give you that uh, uh, what do you call it? Rucker Park uh, kind of like '90s you know um, hardcore sublime, as Adam Crims put it. Uh, that that has become product now for the Lucille's and the Wendy. <laughs> I think I think the Clippers are doing something similar, right? Really? They, they kind of not too much, but they're going a little Inglewood oh, with it. Wow! You know, they're the way they dress up their courts and 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 the LA Clippers font. You know, have you seen the, the font that they use and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of message in there. You know? They're gonna have is their city uniform a, a red uniform? What's going on? <laughs> Who the Clippers? Yeah, what's <laughs> no, no, no. It's black and white, but they have that little kind of. Uh, they have a font that's yeah, a bit that old English type West of font. Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, West Coast with your, with your shoes hanging from a electric cable type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man! All right, all right, craziness, madness. Stay tuned. We're gonna, we're gonna have it on and popping over here. So yeah, man, Mez, awesome talking to you about this. Gonna make it happen much more often. Um, as far as sports, including that into the podcast. And uh, yeah, man, producer Matt in the back. Peace. Yeah, keep the faith, keep the hope, keep the courage alive. All right. One love. When a boy am gonna come. But it ain't what you want. But it ain't what you want. Yeah. But run, 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 run. When a boy them gon' come But this ain't what you want But this ain't what you want Talk with the slang Don't walk with the gang But I walk like Kane Go walk like Kane Like old dog Kane I'm big dad Kane I'm Dane I Dane I'm calm I bad for the pain I'm bad for the rain Like 5G ways I'm liable to pray Like how my man you know Break it, bank it, though. Like Jamie Diamond, bro. I can't hold on in vogue. I'm rolling on a roll. I got that Terrence type of flow. That Dipsy hustle type of go. That space trap hustle.